Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening. It's Richard and Linda Ayer on Ayers on the Road. And Linda, we should be calling it Ayers in the Air lately, you poor jet lag girl. Yes, I just got back from six weeks in London. Wow, it was an amazing adventure. Um, we've talked a little bit about it because we did shows from there. Um, but as many of you know who have been listening, we uh, quarantined for two weeks. Down in Bath Easton. In Technically, we've in England for six weeks, but only four weeks in London because we started off down and we shouldn't assume anything we shouldn't assume all of you listen to us every week so you got to go back to the start we went to be there for the birth of our youngest daughter's twins and it turned out to take a little longer than we thought it would a little longer (laughs) um she sent us a message saying you know most twins i mean more than half twins are born at 36 weeks which is a month early so, so we timed our trip so we'd get there two weeks before the 36 weeks so we could quarantine and otherwise we wouldn't even have been able to see them. Right. And so then we went to a cute little flat in London just about six minutes from well, their wait, flat. But, well, after the after Bath East. Oh, after, after the Bath, quarantine. Yeah, right, after right, the quarantine. Okay. And then... Um, we had so much fun for another week and another week and another day and another day. <laughs> we started off saying, well, it's nice that the babies haven't come yet. We can just enjoy London for a little while. And then the next day we'd say, hey, we got another day to just enjoy London. And after about the 15th day of saying that, we're like, okay, let's, let's have those babies. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so wonderful. It was so fun. Our daughter is truly a champ. I walked with her. I could barely keep up with her with twins going on. And she walked five miles a day almost every day because carrying they have that, no cars. How so much is she carrying? Around. I mean, both the babies weighed nearly seven pounds plus all the other stuff. I mean, But I have to say that I did walk with 50 pounds every day, almost every other day, 50 pounds, 25 in one and 25 in the other. And it was groceries. Oh, uh, <laughs> right. That's true. I, I told him I'd do the food for the last um, 10 or 12 days until that baby came because it's double. We usually do a week, but twins, you know, so um, that was really amazing. Um, we could order food and we did a little of that too, but we never knew what was going to happen from one day to the next. Well, and you you listeners should know that this woman sitting beside me, her her greatest joy in life is welcoming these grandbabies into the world. and. The idea, I mean, the fact that it was a little inconvenient this time, going all the way to London and having quarantine and having COVID and so on, that didn't even phase Linda. She's like, well, there's no way. The the idea of not going or having an excuse not to be there for this birth never crossed your mind. In fact, you were saying when it was a little uncertain about the quarantine and so on and about the flights, you were saying, I'll, I'll, Charity, I'll be there if I have to paddle across to get to you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm staying for a week, no matter what it takes. So I sent Richard home finally. Um, I was only there five weeks, and we had to change our plane flights twice, and the airline was not too happy with us, and we'd run out of our little flat that we'd rented. We'd extended it, and... And we couldn't extend any longer because they had other 
other renters coming in and Airbnb. So I had, and I was not welcome at our daughter's flat. You know, Linda, they could. They, well, they, you were, but they it wanted was just you there, a but tiny I couldn't little stay flat. There. there were too many people, and I ended up in the bottom bunk with a two-year-old about twelve <laughs> inches above my head, and a really rambunctious four-year-old about twelve inches above my head, and uh, they—that was a wild adventure. So. Well, it was it, great, and then I got the night shift with those babies, which was so fantastic. Luckily, I didn't. I don't want you to think I left before the big event. I I got lucky. We were running out of time, but the babies came, and I had five glorious days. Well, five nights and four days, and I'm telling you, having having one newborn baby. In your arm is an awesome experience. But having one in each arm, a boy and a girl, oh my gosh. We can't reveal the names yet, I don't think. Oh yeah, I think they've told the world. Have they told the world? Are you sure? I'm sure. Are you positive? I am, because they're very, very adamant that nobody says the names. They they don't want to, and we we couldn't even post for a while until they'd done their posting. And that's great. I mean, they should be the ones to, to do it. I called them for the first little while before they had names. I called them Haas. And Tess, and I know that doesn't even rhyme, although they both have SS on the end. But I, I, I just you know when I was taking care of them, I like to sing cowboy songs to babies. Oh, they love that. They <laughs> well, love those. Cowboy the little songs. boy loved them. The little boy <coughs> was just so interested when he heard "Home on the Range" or "The Red River Valley" or. I'm an old cow hand from the Rio Grande. He just had his eyes open and he was going, and she was like either asleep or, but when I'd whistle classical music, (laughs) she would perk up. And so I thought, well, she's a Tess and he's a hoss. (laughs) Right. Right. Wow. Anyway, you can tell we had a lot of fun. Um, I had the nine to 12, um, uh, Shift, shift, every, night shift every and night. it was so fun. Twelve, twelve thirty, something like that. And then the little boys were getting me up at six, or sometimes I was lucky enough to stretch to ten to seven. But it really was a fabulous experience, one that we'll never forget, and a place that we love dearly. It was really um, delectable to stay with those little children and that sweet family. Some of you know we were we spent three years in in London. Um, being a mission president for our church, and then we went back another time and lived for six, was it six or seven months, uh, because we wanted our younger kids to have the same school, Church of England experience that our older kids had had. And then we've been back a lot because it's like our second home in some ways. But this time was the third longest stay we've ever had. Yeah, it the was. six weeks, and it was truly, truly wonderful. And I'll tell you, those, I know they're having Grammy withdrawal symptoms with you not there anymore, <laughs> but they have a little nanny, and the wonderful thing about England is that they have lots of paternity leave as, as well. They have long maternity leave, but they also have paternity leave, so... Our daughter's husband's there. And they can also At least for another much, week, right? Yeah, well, yes, but then he has to just turn his chair around in the corner of the living room because he's going to be working from right. home with all that chaos. Good luck. Oh, my gosh, that is going to be a trick. Um, but then he'll be there to do the school runs and so on. But 
it it's a it's a crazy world isn't it a crazy world wherever you go um, they were I do have to say in London they were so upset because they had gone from 76 COVID cases out of every 100,000 to 99 cases out of every 100,000 they're closing down the pubs at nine o'clock and and it's just getting worse and everybody's so uptight about it and then I read the Utah statistics it's yeah. 270 out of a hundred thousand yeah. so we came to here too we're a nearly lot worse three times as worse in terms of the percentages and I guess that I mean don't think that this podcast is just a personal memoir each week we we always feel like we have to tell where we've been what we've been doing to lead in but the thing we really want to talk about today is just what you started on, Linda. The, the strain that COVID is putting on families, especially on extended families. Now, um, you know, we got holidays coming up and so on, and it looks as though, and again, we're, we're, we're supportive of anything that can possibly slow this spread, but it looks like it'll be very unlikely that we can get together with extended family over some of the Yeah, holidays. we did dodge a bullet at our reunion back in July and even then, you know, things were scary, but we had people tested and we had masks and we had face shields and all kinds of precautions and luckily we made it through with nobody getting covid. But since then, we have been blessed just as many of you who are listening have um, nine of our family. We have a grandson that went down to Provo with some friends, got it, brought it home to his brother and his fiance, um, then gave it to another family, which all got, everybody got it except one 16-year-old daughter who um, actually just got her driver's license, luckily. So she quarantined here at our home in Park City while the rest of her family suffered with COVID down there. So it really was uh, an amazing, and this is why we were gone, so it was an amazing time. Well, it's hit, it's hit everyone hard, and, and we want to kind of focus a little today on, on how it's hit families. I want to start with a little experience we had the other night. We, uh, the other night, I mean, it was six weeks ago because it was before we left. We were together with a small group of friends, which is all you can do, and, and we were... Um, we asked, we asked ourselves, it's a discussion group, so we asked ourselves five questions. One, how is COVID-19 affecting the world? Two, how is COVID-19 affecting our country of America? Three, how is COVID-19 affecting the church that we go to, that we love? Four, how is COVID-19 affecting your family? And five, how is COVID-19 affecting you? So obviously going from the macro down to the micro, from the world down to you personally. And what was really interesting to me, Linda, and we won't go into a lot of detail, but as we went through that sequence of questions, it went from darkest, discouraged depression all the way to quite bright optimism as we went from the, the, the macro to the micro. Let me try to explain that. Obviously, we're talking about the world. We're talking about death tolls. We're talking about the economic impact of shutting down countries. We're talking about some one billion people who had ascended from extreme poverty, or in other words, living on less than $2 a day. They'd, they'd come out of extreme poverty over the last couple of decades and now are back in extreme poverty a billion people 
And so it was obviously a dark kind of a feeling as we discussed that. But, um, and then we moved to, to how's it affected our country. And of course, you know, not only the worries about uh, the disease and the, and the economic problems and the educational gaps, the, the wider and wider gap between rich and poor kids that don't even have a computer when they're trying to study at home or, or Wi-Fi. And, and even more than that, the divisiveness in our country, how, how this disease has divided us and become a political issue. Even wearing masks is a political issue, for goodness sake. And so it, we're really dark, the whole discussion. Everyone's, you know, we can't find any silver lining to speak of in what's happening in the world or in the country. But then we get to number three, how's this affected the church? And, and as many of you know, as all of you know, I guess, we're members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And people start saying, you know, thank goodness we were prepared for this. The church has been preaching home-centered church supported for so long and we're able to hold church in our homes we're we're having wonderful spiritual experiences and the mood just started to brighten and brighten and then we got how's it affected your family and you know a lot of worries it's tough to be at home together so much and so on but overall it's brought our families closer together and then even on how's it affected you personally maybe more time to reflect, maybe more time to have perspective, difficult in many ways. But my whole point, Linda, is how interesting it was to me that as we got down to the personal level, we could deal with it and there was some optimism, but on the global level, not so much. Yeah, it really is amazing. It's changed everything. In fact, I don't think ever, anything's ever gonna be the same. It's, it's absolutely amazing that um, how, what the world has ha what's happened to the world in the last mm, six seven months is going on and on and on. We want to take a brief break and we'll come back and maybe talk some more and have some suggestions about how families can weather this storm together. We'll be right back. Hang on. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, we're back on Ours on the Road, talking about some somber things today, but also some joyous things. Our wonderful experience with the birth of these two little twins in, in London. And, and I do have to just interject this for a moment, because this daughter is amazing. She is so committed to natural childbirth. This she is our youngest daughter. Our youngest daughter. She had no medication. She, uh, they did finally uh, break her water and start her her labor so on and so on but she labored without medication for many many hours and it's just amazing what she produced that they were all amazed at the hospital too she's just incredible i mean i have some kids who are like where's the where's the epidural go find the doctor quick i've got epidural and then others you know are just especially this child she has just done an amazing job with deliveries we have a couple like that and it is really it was magnificent and of course we didn't get to see it we couldn't go to the hospital we never saw the inside of the hospital because of covid but she came home the same day she gave birth to those twins when she looked around the room she saw four other mothers with crying babies in her room oh, and she what, said afterwards. Uh, no i'm going home well and we should say we're not we're not saying that mothers who want 
anesthesia are not well, as no, good. Well, no, I said some of ours <laughs> yeah, are yeah, different, and, and but including you, I mean, you you would, I mean, you were. I would you, love to have had some help, but I just yeah, went you, too fast. Yours were too fast. I just shot those babies. But into this, the world. we are so proud of this youngest daughter because she, uh, well, she, yeah, some of you know, listened in the past, she has two little boys. She and her husband have two little boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old. The, the two-year-old came along naturally, born in their living room in a birthing pool with midwives. Those of you who been listening for a while remember that Oh, story. my gosh. It was amazing. And so, you know, that was such a great birth experience. She wanted to do it again, but it wasn't possible with twins. She had to be in a hospital with doctors nearby. But midwives do the job in England. And... Uh, Bless this little trooper's heart, this little daughter of ours. She has these two babies, six pounds for one and six, eight, eight for the other. And at seven in the morning, they're born. And at seven that night, the same day, she comes walking up the stairs to her flat carrying those two babies. I yeah, mean, I yeah, is this superwoman or what? Yeah, it's amazing. Forgive but, us for being a little proud yeah, as parents. Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, now the real world's settling in, and um, it's, it's a crazy time with those little newborns, but there is such a special spirit. They are straight from heaven. Heaven lies about us in our infancy, Wordsworth. Oh, my goodness, it's so true. They are, it's just heavenly to be around those little, um, sweet, Ooh, I'm glad you thought spirits. of Wordsworth. Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting. The soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar. And then the, the, the beautiful line of yours, Linda, say it again. Heaven lies about us in our infancy. They usually leave that out, that part, but it is so true. Oh, when you I hold mean, those little ones in there. I love it. Those little squawks and squeaks and wiggles and then, and then they Holding them up to your neck and hat. feeling them breathe yeah, on your the, neck. Yeah, little breaths on your neck. And, and watching them sleep and, and dream. Them what do dream, they dream about? They're dreaming about the pre-existence where they came they from. They're talking be. to the angels and they, they I, I just, they're like magnets. I can stare at them for an hour without taking my eyes off of them because they kind of close their eyes and they're kind of in rapid eye movement. You know, they're, they're seeing things and thinking things. And then they smile. Every time. They did it again this time. Both of them. Did they? Smile. And then I had one little I used to say they've just got gas. but No, that's what people say. No, no. That's not gas in those cases. They do have gas. But I had one granddaughter that laughed. Out loud, out loud, twice. Wow. She I had couldn't to believe be I heard it at she, first, yeah. and then she laughed. It was so fun. But anyway, you know, it's funny on. you'd say that because we're we're doing a series. I'm doing a series right now in Meridian Magazine. If any of you read that online magazine, MeridianMagazine.com, uh, or Google it, and and I did the last one on our belief in a pre-mortal life because. I just think, how would you, I don't know how anyone can hold a brand new infant and say, wow, this just started. This, this is just a genetic creation that just appeared here and uh, didn't exist until it started to exist nine months ago and grew into this little infant. There's something so much deeper in them than that. And, and of course, you know, there's the debate of nature versus nurture. Is it environment or heredity that makes children different? And, and you're, you're kind of stuck on that one when you have twins. 
We have two sets of grand grandkid twins, and the first one, they're 15 now, and they're identical twins, mirror image identical twins. So they had exactly the same genetics, exactly the same environment growing up, and they're so vastly different. My point is, at some stage, we all realize there's something more in these little infants than heredity and environment. There's something they There's brought a, with them from somewhere. A deep spirit. They are who they yeah, are. They've, they've become who they are over an eternity. It's a two-way eternity. It doesn't only, if a religious person believes in a hereafter, the longer you think about it, you've almost got to think hard about a here before. And uh, sorry, I just I love that <laughs> subject. I'll I stop. I love the subject because they're right in front of me. Those little twins. That was such a sweet experience. But do you, do you think? Just one more question on those infants. Do you? I mean, there is something about twins, Linda. I mean, the, you put them together, and they're they're so much more comfortable. Charity has two. Adrada has two little bassinets next to each other, but she doesn't put them in both of them because. They need to feel need each, each other. other. They've been with each other They've got for a little, nine months. Then um, their buggy, they call it their buggy, that they take the kids for rides. They've got one down seat for one of the, the two-year-old, and then the other side is a little bassinet, and they both fit in there just so perfectly. They kind of nestle so, in there. Nestle it's just in there. Like, so they're great. used to being nestled, you know? Yeah. By the way, they were too nestled for a while because one was head down and one was head up and breach. And that's kind of how they were nestled. But okay, thank honey, goodness. Enough, enough, well, I want to say they flipped around. That was great. <laughs> the one flipped around. Yeah, they they came out and uh, the natural way, and it was amazing. You didn't have to do a C-section. But let's. But again, that, that's the light, happy, wonderful part of our thinking today. The heavy kind of constraining part is. Man, it is hard as a family not to be able to get together with your own relatives. And, and, and all of you are not in that situation, and, uh, but some are. And that's the way it is in London right now. You can't go visit another household. Yeah, you can't go in. Not, not only you can't visit your relatives, you can't go visit your next door neighbor. You can't mix any two households, and you can't be in any group larger than six now. Some are critical of that. Others are like, well, we should go even further. They were talking when we leave about what they call a circuit breaker in London, which would mean complete shutdown of everything for two weeks under the theory that if no one passes the virus on for two weeks, it's, it's over. You've got it under yeah, control. Yeah, but that's not going to work. You know, and I will say the British are much more obedient yeah they're compliant with they regulations <laughs> we just there was not a person that we saw without a mask no, it no. was absolutely amazing you'd get stared down you'd get you'd get shamed into putting your mask on yeah it really <coughs> it that really was not was. a covid cough that was just <laughs> it was quite amazing to see how obedient they were this daughter is doing uh joy school with a little group of moms and they are Outside, I mean, you, obviously yeah, you meet people outside, park. but they meet in their little garden across the street from their house, and uh, these moms do what it takes to get those kids there, bundle them up, and get them there. And um, one of the great things, it's by all the way, outdoors. L- and, London neighborhoods, so many of them have they're built in a in a square, and in the middle of the square is a garden. It's like a little mini park, and there's a big fence, and the people who live in that 
in that square, square. can use the garden. So the garden, it's yeah. a lovely place. And thank goodness for that during yeah. COVID. There's a little covered gazebo because it was raining one day when we were there and they were all just happy in the little gazebo and do their little art projects in there. It was incredible what mothers can do when they have to. It really is such a nice break for but, the mom. But a lot of families, Linda, are going to be faced with a real dilemma as we get into the holiday season. Um, you know, and, and, and in the places where the spread is is big and where there's a lot of efforts to control and where in some cases mandatory, in some cases suggested that you don't get together with large groups or with extended families or have Thanksgiving as a big group or whatever, it's going to be a real tough choice for a lot of families. I guess one option is to break the rule and, and, and get together. I guess another option is to just be completely upset and sad about it and resentful and just not do anything. And get depressed. And I guess a third one is, you know, to to use so social media and, and, and Zoom and other things and sort of be together virtually. I think all of us love that for a while. I think it's getting old for some people who oh, say, if I have to get on Zoom one more time just to see my family, I want to hug them, I want to be with them, I want to look in their eyes. Yeah, it's... it's it's tough. It is really tough. And, you know, I'm thinking how funny it was when our da- our son-in-law, who's in London, working at a big, a big, huge company, uh, when they said, don't come back. In March, they said, don't come back until uh, October. And it kind of took our breath away, like, October? Yeah. This can't last until October. And now they're saying, don't come back until February. I mean... February, it is amazing. That's a year, you know, that's going on a year. So it is a, a moment in time that none of us will ever forget and will look back on in a lot of different ways. And I think our advice, if, if, I, if you'll permit us, is, you know, err toward the side of caution. I think, you know, the end is in sight, I believe. I think that, the, 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 that we will have a vaccine and... and 2021 will be a better year. It won't be immediate. There will be a lot of catching up to do. But I just think we need to not get so impatient that we say, hey, this has gone on long enough. I'm not, I don't care anymore. I'm out of here. I'm just going to, you know, break the rules and whatever. I just, you know, you never know who's vulnerable. I mean, you got to be especially careful of people older and with pre-existing conditions. But you never know who's vulnerable. And I think what you don't want to ever do in a family is have hindsight that says, oh, we should have, we, we, we were careful have, for six or eight months and then it got to be the holiday season and we just kind of threw caution to the wind and somebody got sick and it passed through our family and, and someone had a serious illness. So be careful. And, fi- and and conti- I mean, continue to be grateful for Zoom. And yeah, the other in fact, I was going to say, really, we are so grateful for Zoom. We meet with our daughters and daughters-in-law once a week on Zoom, and we are spread across the world. We have one in Switzerland, one in London, two families right now in Hawaii, one in two in Phoenix, and three here. And so we get on there, and we we do Zoom anyway because we can't get together with all of them. Have to, yeah, that's true. And but I'm thinking of families that live really close together and are used to almost living together, you know. And 
In some cases, well, you're so close to. that you're all exposed to each other anyway, and you can you can do things depending on lots of factors. But just be cautious. We we love you all as fellow parents, and and we hope everything is going well. We we encourage you to keep your hopes up and keep your prayers coming. And I really think next year is going to be better not the very first part of the year but it's going to get better yeah i'm sure i'm sure it will and then someday we're going to look back at this and say wait that was quite an amazing thing and some of us would probably say gee i wish i'd done this or that just <laughs> decide now to yeah. do it and look for the bright side find the extra family time and Get close to people in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you were on your busy life. So we wish you the very best. Thanks for tuning in. Good luck with COVID this week, and we'll see you again next time on Irons on the Road. Bye-bye.